my kids, I, 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 talk, I talk a lot about my kids because they're just an endless source of sermon illustrations right now because they're eight and six and one and a half. And my kids are in this season right now where they ask tons of questions, tons of questions. And some of them are super easy. Some of them are really hard. Some of them are a little awkward. So like, for instance, William, my six-year-old, he's getting to be a pretty good reader and which is really fun, except now when we're driving places, he can read all the signs and he's always like, you know, what's, what's, what's hole in the wall barbecue, you know? And I'm like, oh, that's this. And then, but see, the downside to that is now he can read like the graffiti words around, you know? So uh, he's got other words that he's reading. So he's like, dad, what's beep? You know, I'll be like, oh, Son, okay, uh, that's, that's not a word, that's not a word we use, okay, we don't use that word. He's like, yeah, but what does it mean? I'm like, oh, I'm not prepared to, to explain that to you right now, um, you know, a couple years, I'll be a little bit more ready, but, uh, you know, they're a- constantly asking questions. My son, Jeremiah, the other night at, di- at the dinner table, we're always, we always try to, you know, we, we read some sort of scripture, we're just talking about, like, talking about God, and we try to create conversations like that. And my son, who's eight, um, asked a question just the other night. He was like, hey, dad, I really appreciate the Bible, but how do we know that the Bible's true? I mean, like, how come, how do we know it's just not all made up? And I was like, good question, right? That is an excellent question. He's just processing some stuff right now as an eight-year-old. And so we just dove into, you know, to some deeper conversation there. Um, Questions have have a tendency to do that, right? Questions sort of dig in a little bit. And we've been in this series throughout the summer. We're continuing because it's just so good. We've been um, in the Old Testament primarily, because in the first half of your Bible, it's called the Old Testament. There's really, really ancient writings, and there's all sorts of different kind of literature in the Old Testament. But one of the kinds of literature there is called wisdom literature. And this is where we have the book of Proverbs and Psalms and Ecclesiastes. And the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes are, are they're, they're interesting books. They're fun books. We've been just spending most of our time in the book of Proverbs, and in a couple of weeks, we'll get to Ecclesiastes. And we've just been sort of unpacking what, what is this book all about? And here's what the, it's all about. The big idea is this, is you've got a lot of decisions to make. You've got a lot of hot, tough decisions to make. And the thing about most of our decisions is that m- some of them are black and white. Some of them are right or wrong. And those are actually sort of the easiest decisions to make because it's clear. But the thing is, is most of the decisions that you're going to make aren't necessarily black and white. Some of them, is one, one, one is wise and one is not as wise, you know, or there's two right answers, or, you know, there's a lot of decisions that you're going to make where you're going to bump up, and it's not just a clear answer. So what do you do with those sort of decisions? And so the Bible has an answer to that. The Bible says that here's what you need. You don't necessarily need more knowledge, although knowledge is good, And and you certainly need an understanding of what right and wrong is. That's so important, but you also need something else. You need wisdom, Wisdom. Now, wisdom is different than knowledge. It's because we all know somebody who has a lot of knowledge, but not a lot of wisdom, right? Wisdom's different. Wisdom uh, gives us the ability to help sort of navigate these decisions. And so we've been talking about that. And several weeks ago, we talked about this interesting question that we sort of ask ourselves. Um, Here's here's the, the, the question often that we ask ourselves after making decisions is, why did I do that? You ever asked yourself that? Why did I do that? You're looking in the rearview mirror and the result that you thought you were going to get, you didn't get. And the question is, why did I do that? Why did I buy that? Why did I date him? Why did I date her? You know, why did I, why did I go there? You know, 
So that's the question we ask ourselves, but there's actually a better question, and wisdom sort of pushes us to ask an even better question than that. Wisdom pushes us to ask this, why am I doing this? Because, see, you're asking this question now in, in the middle of whatever bonehead thing that you're doing, okay? And wisdom pushes us to not just look in the rearview mirror and say, why did I do that? It pushes us to say, why am I doing this now? Why am I doing this? But then, as we said a couple weeks ago, and I'm just sort of setting up the stage for where we're going today, wisdom asks us an even better question, a third question, and, it's, and it penetrates. It goes deep. Wisdom pushes us to ask this question, why am I doing this Really? why am I doing this really? Why am I dating her really? Why am I dating him really? Why am I spending money on this really? Is it because I need this or is it because I, I want people to see me with this? Why am, I, why am I spending money on this really? Why am I going here really? And see, that just takes it to a whole different level and it gets underneath the motivations for why we do some of the things that we do, and wisdom pushes us to do that. So we're going to take it a step further today, and we're going to let wisdom ask us wisdom ask us a couple uh, a, a, another set of questions that even just takes this further. Um, before we get before we get to that next week, I want to give you a heads up of where we're headed next week. Is next week um, I want to talk about parenting, especially as it relates to discipline. Okay, Proverbs, you can't go through the book of Proverbs without bumping into a lot of Proverbs that have to do with discipline, not just for young kids, but just for all of us. I just want to give you a heads up because, um, because parents, this is going to be such a good for one for you to be at. Um, if you're here and you don't have kids, you're like, oh, I get to skip next week then. No, you don't get to. Please don't. Because listen, this is going to be so important for all of us to be grandparents Mom, please, I mean, single people, I know you're like, that p- discipline, that's the fur- furthest thing from my mind right now, uh, but you do not want to miss next week, because there are some gold, gold mines in the book of Proverbs for us on how it relates to discipline. So that's where we're headed next week. Um, but this week, this week, here's the question that, that uh, I want to ring around in our, in our minds today. It's a question that you struggle with, I struggle with. And what this question reveals could change the way that you make some of your decisions um, and could actually change, this is a big statement here, but the way that you answer this decision could could actually change the very direction and the future of where your life is headed. It's that big of a question. Here's the question is this, is what do I want? What do I want? Not why am I doing this or, you know, but what do I want? This is an important question. What do I want? Now, you'd think that maybe on the surface it's an easy question to answer, but if you just dig down a little bit, you'll realize that it's not an easy question to answer because we have all thought we wanted something, and then we got that thing that we thought we wanted, and then three months later, guess what we discovered? I didn't want that really right? We've all had that experience. You thought you wanted something. I'm going to get this. If I could just have this, I really want that. And you finally got that thing that you wanted. And then you figure out that, oh my goodness, this isn't actually the thing I wanted. Or the thing that I thought that this thing that I wanted didn't actually get me to the thing that I wanted. And it's left me more broken and lost than before. And so this is a tough question. What do I want? What do I want? Because wisdom pushes us to ask an even deeper question than this. It's this, is what do I want really? 
What do I want really? What do I value really? What am I really after? When I think about the future of my life, when I think about, when I think about what's going to be said about me at my funeral, what, what, what am I shooting for? What's the target? What do I, re- what do I want really? What do I want really? What do I want for my marriage? Really? What do I want for my kids? Really? Um, What do I want financially? Really? What do I want as far as my relationships? Really? This is an important question. Here's why. We're sort of getting into this. Because it's a tough question because um, here's the deal. Is we want what we think we want now. We want what we think we want now. That's the thing about our wants, right, is we, we want things, but we think that the, the thing that we think we want, we want it, what? Now. We want it now. And, uh, and, and you know, I was reading, one, here's one theologian right here that had something to say about this. His name is Blake Shelton. Here's what uh, theologian Blake Shelton says. He says, uh, he says, it's all about tonight, now. Uh, good times and the music and laughing and grooving to the band Everybody's getting right. No worries. We're rocking all kinds of concoctions in our hands. Yeah, tomorrow can wait till tomorrow because it's all about tonight. Right? It's all about tonight. Now, let's not think about tomorrow. Let's just focus on now. Let's just focus on now. What can I get now? What can, you know, who can I get with now? Like, what can I buy now? What do I want now, and here's the thing, here's the thing that you know, we're not going to spend a lot of time fleshing this out, but I mean, I think this is just some of the things we know is, is, is this, is the best things in life often don't come now. They come later. Isn't that true? Some of the best things in life, they don't come now. You get glimpses of it, you get tastes of it now, but some of the best things in life, they come later. They come later. I remember I was, I was at a, I did a wedding years ago and I was at this reception and, uh, and I got seated at this table next to, uh, you know, some people I didn't know. And I was, uh, the, the, there was this aunt and uncle that, that were there and they were 95, 95, been married for, you know, like a bazillion years, you know, they've just been married for forever. And, and I was just asking them what they're into. And they had just gotten back from this cruise, this salsa dancing cruise where you just go on this cruise and they salsa dance. And I'm looking at him and they're just like fit and trim and I'm asking him what he also likes to do. And he's like, yeah, I chop wood, you know, at my house. And they're 95. And I'm like, I'm like, you know what I want? I want that, right? Don't we want that? Don't we all want to get to 95 and just be rocking it? Just like going on the cruise, salsa dancing, chopping wood. I mean, we want that, right? But the thing is, is if you want that, there's some things that you got to do now. There's some things you got to do now in order for you to get what you really want later. That's the truth. So the best things in life often don't come now. They come later. And do you know what the problem with later is? It's not now. That's what's so hard about later. So here, this is, here's sort of like one of the big ideas from this morning. It's just one of these big takeaways. Listen to this. is getting what we want now often gets in the way of what we really want later. Getting what we want now often gets in the way of what we actually truly want later. Do you know what I want right now? A hot bod. 
come on, I know I'm not alone, all right? You guys, you guys too? You guys want one, right? But see, in order for me to get that, there are some things I got to do now. And, what, and the thing is, is now is hard. Because you know what I want now that competes with what I want later? Sleep and food, right? I heard food and I was going for sleep, but yeah, food. So, so on Wednesday mornings, Wednesday mornings, there's this, uh, this Bible study at the Muffin Mill that's about, it's three miles from my house. And my friend John, who's my next door neighbor, John's like, hey, let's jog to Muffin Mill. And so, and so he, he meets me at my house at six in the morning because uh, Muffin Mill's at 6.30 and we meet some other guys there. So he meets me at my house, he's out front and then we run the three miles to Muffin Mill. We have our, we have our little you know, Bible study deal and then we run the three miles back, six miles. Now for me, that's legit. Six miles is a lot. And I got to admit, every time I go, I do the, the first three miles, I'm just hoping that one of the other guys, like, it, it asks if I want to ride home. <laughs> and if they don't have to get to work, you know, and I just, and I'm like, yeah, oh, sh- I'm, I'm, I'm a little sore. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Give me a ride home. Uh, because it's just brutal. And I don't want to get up a half an hour early. And every time John's out there and he's just like, you know, in his gear and he's like ready to go and he's got a great attitude. And I come out and I'm like, you know, like, I don't want to do this. But yeah, you, you get this because, you know, when I come home after the muffin mill and hanging with the guys doing Bible study, I just ran six miles. I get out of the shower. Guess what I feel like? I feel like Brad Pitt. All right. I feel like I feel so good. I mean, I just feel like this is amazing. And I'm so, you know, you get it because I'm so glad that I didn't let what I wanted now get in the way of what I really wanted later, right? Now, this applies to all sorts of things in our lives. It applies to your finances. Isn't it true that some, you've got some dreams and visions for the future for what you want to happen financially later, but isn't your biggest enemy what you want now? It's our biggest roadblock to really what we really want later is what I want now. And we often make financial decisions and relationship decisions and all sorts of decisions because we're looking through the lens of now when we really should be looking at now through the lens of later, of later. Listen, um, the Bible has a lot to say about this. The Bible's so helpful with this. See, listen, God knows you. He created you. And the Bible gets us in a way that's really incredible because the Bible is very ancient, and yet the Bible still just, it knows us. It understands humanity. And there's so much that the Bible has, has to say about this dynamic because we all wrestle with this and struggle with this. Um, here's what the book of Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter 12 says this. No discipline seems pleasant now. No discipline seems pleasant now. But sometimes it's painful. Later on, though, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Yeah, nobody, you know, now is tough, but really what we want later. And so can we hold out, can we look through the lens of later at our nows? Um, here's, a, here's, it uses, I love this because it talks about harvest and the, 
the, the principle of the harvest is all throughout Scripture. There's so much about the harvest, mostly because, because a lot of the Bible, the, the context of the Bible is written in, in, in a different time and place where many people, where it was very agricultural. And so people understood these images of the harvest. And when Jesus is telling stories on the side of, of a lake, he's, he's using these images that so many of the people there would have understood. And we can understand it too, but because but, uh, it applies to us in a, in, in a sort of different way, but in a very similar way. It's this principle of the harvest. Is if you want to get a good harvest, man, you got to work. You got to plow. And then you got to plant. And then you got to water, and then you got to wait, and then you got to water, and then you got to wait, and then you got to weed, and then you got to wait, then you got to water, you know, and then you got to wait for the sun, and then finally, 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 the harvest, it's growing, and now it's ready. And man, that takes time. That's, that's an investment in later, but that's hard for us. The book of Proverbs has plenty to say about all this. Here's, here's one from Proverbs. It says this, Proverbs 24, I walked by the field of a lazy person. The vineyard of one with no common sense. And often in the book of Proverbs, the lazy person is distinguished as this person who is so focused on now that they miss out on later. In fact, one of the definitions of a fool in Proverbs, a simple person in Proverbs, is, is someone who I can't see past now. And then they're always disappointed that they don't get what they actually want later. It says, I went by this field of a lazy person, the vineyard of one who, with no common sense. I saw that it was overgrown with nettles. It was covered with weeds and its walls were broken down. Then as I looked and I thought about it, I learned this lesson. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. In other words, now now, now, what I want now, what I want now, what I, what I want now always trumps what I want later, then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit and scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Proverbs 20, chapter, or verse 4 says this, sluggards do not plow in season because it's, it's not convenient now. So at harvest time, they look but find nothing. In other words, they don't get what they really want later. One of the best places in the Bible that just perfectly typifies this is this really great story in the Old Testament. If you grew up in church, then, then uh, you know, one of, the, one of the Bible stories that you learned growing up in church is this story. And if, and if you've never heard this before, this is awesome. I'm so glad you're hearing it. It's the story of Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau, they're, they're twins, they're brothers. Esau comes out first, Jacob comes out next. And in that culture, the firstborn would always get a greater inheritance. There was this extra, this extra inheritance, this extra kind of prominent place in the family that, that the younger siblings didn't get. And Esau's got it. He's the firstborn. And, you know, there's a lot that happens in their story. But what we know about Esau is he's a hunter type. He's what's called outdoorsy, all right? He shops at REI. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's, he, this is Esau. And then Jacob is what we would call indoorsy, okay? Jacob isn't like the hunter type. Jacob, you know, he's, Jacob is a little bit craftier. You know, Jacob's like, Jacob's the chess player, you know, maybe. Um, and Esau is, uh, is, and what happens, here's this great story. Check this out. Here's what happens in this story um, with Jacob and Esau in the book of Genesis. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. And he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. In other words, I need something now. I need it now. Please, now. And Jacob replied in a very, very crafty way. 
he says, okay, first sell me your birthright. <laughs> Which we know right now is just not a good trade for Esau, right? Not a good trade. But Esau says this, look, I'm about to die. What good is the birthright to me? In other words, who cares about later? I'm not thinking about later. I want now. I'm hungry now. I don't want to, I don't want to think about birthright stuff later. Just give me the stew now. And then here's what happens. But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. And then look how just quickly it all just sort of unfolds. It just, then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate, drank, got up and left. And so Esau despised his birthright. Classic story sort of in the Old Testament of this, uh, just puts it in a perfect perspective, something that we just deal with all the time. We know it's a bad trade, and yet we tend often to do the same things. We're looking at now when we really should be looking at later. So what should we do? What should we do? Listen. Um, Oh, by the way, hold on. Let me just add this in here because this is important. You know what this story teases out? Another little layer to this. Listen to this. Is what we want now often feels very natural. What we want now often feels very natural. I mean, Esau wants some food, right? I mean, that's good. It's good to have food. Um, Getting food is very natural. What we want now is often quite natural. It feels very natural and not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes there's good things that we want now. But listen to this. What we naturally want is sometimes, if not often, in conflict with what we ultimately want. There's plenty of things that you kind of want to add to your life that it feels natural. And especially in our culture today that's so obsessed with like you do you. You know, do what comes natural. Just do what feels good. You know, like if it feels right, if it feels right to you, then it probably means it is right for you. And so you don't let anybody tell you that you shouldn't blank or you shouldn't blank. No, 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 no. You be you. You be yourself. You be an individual. And we're just like, you know, just, and it's this idea that, man, if, if something's not natural, then, you know, then what are we doing? No, we have to do everything that feels natural. But listen, what often feels very natural in the moment is a lot of times one of the things that keeps you away from what you ultimately, what you ultimately want. And so there's this thing that we have to wrestle with is this, is choosing later over now often feels quite unnatural. Choosing later over now is just not something that a lot of people do. It's, and it's because it doesn't feel natural. It feels often quite unnatural for us to do that. And so then the reason why is we, or so then what happens often is we often get deceived, very deceived by what feels natural, what feels right in the moment, what feels good to us now, and we miss sight and we lose out on all the things that we ultimately want later. That's why Galatians, we're just kind of jumping around to some different spots in scripture today, but man, Galatians chapter six says this, so good. It says, do not be deceived, Galatians says, do not be deceived. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. There's that harvest language again. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Listen, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest 
if we do not give up. Galatians says this, Paul says, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived by now. Don't be deceived by the allure of now. Even if it feels natural, please don't get deceived. Because there's some things that you ultimately want. There's some things that God wants for you ultimately, and those things come later. Please don't miss out because you're looking at now. So here you go. If you're taking notes on anything, take notes on this. Listen, here's the exhortation that we get from the Lord this morning and from the scriptures that we're reading this morning. Listen, don't give up what's most important for what's urgent. Don't give up what's most important for what's urgent. Don't give up what you want most for what you want now. Don't give up what you want most for what you want now. Don't give up what you value most for what you want now. Those are not good trades. You will not get what you want. And so wise people have decided to do this. Wise people have learned how to look at now through the lens of later. Wise people have learned to look at now through the lens of later. In other words, don't look at now and hope that later turns out. Don't look at now and hope that, oh, it'll all just get figured out. Why not start with later and reverse engineer your life and that will be the thing that helps you make decisions now? That makes sense. You think about what you want later and then you just work backwards. Okay, if that's what I ultimately want, if that's what I really want, then what's got to happen? What do I got to do? It just trickles down. Then, ah, that means that I probably shouldn't buy that. It means I probably should go there. It means I should do this. It means that I shouldn't do that. And all of a sudden, we're making decisions now through the lens of later. Okay, there you go. Um, let me give you some, so hopefully just, just flush it out, practical. How do you do that? How do you do that? Well, first, it comes back to our very first question that I asked you, is what do I want really? What do I want really? Because in order for you to figure out what you want, ultimately want later, you have to answer that question. What do I value What do I value really? What do I value really? And again, that's a tough, we get, we lose sight of this all the time. And we think, we get deceived into thinking that what I want now or what I'm feeling now is what I ultimately want when really it's not. So for instance, um, what do you really want when it comes to money? Listen, think about it. What do you, what do you really want when it comes to money? Is it a lot? Is that the goal? I want a lot. I don't know. There's a lot of people that have a lot. And as we know, more money, more problems, right? We know that. We know that there's people that have a lot, and yet they are bankrupt emotionally, relationally, spiritually. So let me ask you, what do you really want when it comes to money? See, if you can't answer that, then you're just going to be making decisions now, and then you're going to get to later, and you're going to not really have what you ultimately want later. You've got to answer, what do I really want financially? What do I want money? Is it, do you really want lots, or do you want peace? Do you want peace? Now, peace can mean a lot, but, can pe- but peace doesn't also, also has nothing to do with the amount, too. You can have a lot, or you can have little, and you can still have financial peace. By the way, it's a little plug for financial peace. Because that's happening in a couple of weeks. 
what do you really, married people, what do you really want for your marriage? Or in your relationship, what's, what's the metric? What's, do you just want to be right? Is that the goal? Do you want to be in charge? Want everybody to respect you at home? You know, listen, if, you, if the goal is, like, I just want people to respect me, and you're expecting that that's just going to happen later on, but you're not doing the things that you need to do now, then you will not get the respect that you think you deserve because you don't deserve it later on. What do you want for your marriage? Don't you want, like, giggles and fun and life and joy and friendship and intimacy I mean, don't we want that for our marriages? Yeah. And so if that's what I want, what do I got to do? Parents, what do you want for your kids? Because that's going to determine how you discipline your kids. What, what do you want your relationship to be like with your kids? I heard somebody say one time, it was Andy Stanley said this. He said that you want to parent your kids in such a way that when they don't have to be with you, they want to be with you. Parent your kids in such a way to that when they get older and they don't have to come over, You've parented them in such a way where you've earned their respect and their favor and now they're older and they're later on in life, but yet they want to hang out at your house. Parent your kids in such a way. Do you know uh, with parenting with my kids, you know, it really competes against uh, our, you know, us doing stuff with our kids and teaching our kids. There's this thing at our house. I know you have a, one of them or five of them at your house. They're called screens. They're called TVs and iPads and phones right? And, uh, and they're, uh, they're, uh, when you get a text, you want to look at it now, right? And you got that show that you want to watch, and you want to watch it, everybody say now. Yeah, you want to watch it now. And you got that thing, oh, you need to check the thing, because Amazon's going to send you the thing, and there's a deal right now, so you want to go check it now, right? But listen, p- parents, so we all know this, what's, what's more important? Is it the screen or is it your kids? Is it the screen or is it your family? So you got to decide what's most important. At our house, oh, by the way, this, is, this one's for free, all right? This one's just totally for free to you. This is a mantra that we say at our house all the time. If you go ask my kids later and you ask them about this, this little saying that we do, they'll be able to say it to you. This is what we say at our house all the time. All the time is this, human beings are more important than screens. Kind of rhymes, almost. Human beings are more important than screens. Come on, say it with me. Human beings are more important than screens. My kids will be like, I want my screen. And I'll be like, bro, calm down. Listen, in our house, human beings are more important than screens. And we just say it over and over again. What do you really want when it comes to all of these different things? What do you really want when it comes to your relationship with God? What do you really want when it comes to your eternity? What do you really want when it comes to your relationships? Big, big questions. And I'm coming in for a landing here. Listen. Is, do you know the moment really in life where this becomes clear for us? Where it becomes really clear? Is when you brush up with death. Or when you have a family member brush up against death. And I've been at, at the hospital with people who are, who are moments away, hours away. And do you know what they're saying? Do you know what they're thinking about? 
I don't think I've ever sat next to somebody who was, who was nearing their final breath and they said, do you know what? I, I wish I would have watched more Netflix. <laughs> I really wish I would have hit more of those shows. I missed out on a few. Nobody says that. When you get near to death, suddenly what, be, what you really want, what's most important, it becomes clear. It becomes clear. It becomes clear. At every funeral, you know, people are sharing about people's lives. Do you know what usually the metric is? The value of someone's life is how much they leveraged it to give it away to others. The value of life is how they leveraged it to then give it away to others. And when you're at a funeral where people get to stand up and just talk about how they, this person in the grave, leveraged their life and poured it out on other people, man, suddenly your just heart starts bumping faster and you're like, yes, yes, that's what I really want. That's what God wants for me. <clears throat> Answering the question, what do you really want, is a tough question. So I'm going to sort of like send us out with that question. But do you know, um, God helps us out here tremendously. God helps us here. Because you know what? Listen, God knows you. God loves you. God knows what's best for you. And you know what else? Listen to this. God cares. Listen to this. God cares about your now and your later he cares about your now and your later. And not only that, he cares about your later, later. Because you know what God knows that we easily lose sight of? Do you know that the decisions you're making now make an impact not only on your later, but on your later, later? The decisions that you're making now not only impact you later, but it impacts your kids. And it's going to impact their kids' kids. And it's going to impact their kids' kids' kids. Think about this. The decisions you're making now aren't just for you. They're not just your decisions. You're making decisions now that are going to impact generations of human beings, hundred, eventually hundreds of thousands of people. The decisions that you're making now. So the stakes are big. Are you going to look at now in the lens, through the lens of later? Are you going to look at now through the lens of later, later? Because isn't it true that some of us are dealing with some crazy dysfunction in our lives? It's because it got passed to us from parents. It got passed to us from grandparents. It got passed to us. All this dysfunction came to us, and now we're wrestling with it. And isn't it incredible that right now, every single one of us in this room, every, every person listening online, that we right now, in our moment, we have the ability to stop cycles of abuse and anger and hurt and pain, and we have the ability to begin brand new cycles of joy, life, health, following Jesus and letting him determine the matrix and the worth of our lives. And that impacts generations upon generations upon generations. We have that ability now. Now. So why not? Why not look at now through the lens of later? Do you know what God did for you and me? God gave up everything. God, God had, has everything, and yet he comes and he made himself into a servant because he wanted to get what he really ultimately wanted, and that's you, and that's me. He poured out his life so that you could have real life. He gave up now for the ultimate later, and we give him all the glory and the praise for that, and it gives us the engine to, for us to be able to do the same thing.